this morning. Welcome to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Well, if you're visiting here with us this morning, we want to say welcome. We want to ask you to take the time to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place the offerings later to come around so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. If you're tuning in with us for the first time this morning on our live stream, we also want to welcome you. Ask God to reach out, touch you, and bless you today and minister to your heart. Oh, my goodness. What is happening at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church? We have so much going on, and we want to ask you to come and be a part of that. Well, of course, today... We're going to end up having, after services today, we'll end up having our business meeting this evening at 6 o'clock. Youth group will still be going on in the back, so if you're a youth member, still come and be a part of that. Uh, Wednesday night Bible study is going to be at 6.30, and uh, let me just give you an idea of what's happening throughout the next week here. Choir practice today, Christmas Cantata at uh, 4.30, that's going to be in the choir room, thank you, Robert. And uh, coming up uh, on the 22nd next week. We will be having our uh, active shooter awareness uh, training and how to respond to that should that come. And so if you're interested in that, there is a sign-up sheet outside. It is open to anybody, so you are welcome to be a part of that. But please sign up so we know how many to expect for our instructor. We would greatly appreciate that as well. I uh, also want to remind you, church, that uh, coming up on the 28th, our OCC will be having another fasting day. It's going to be from 9 to 4. Uh, I also want to remind you that we are still observing our items of the month for OCC. And this item of the month is small game. And so keep those in mind as you shop and look around for Operation Christmas Child. All right. Some of you may know that our library is now reopened. So Samaritan Jerry is going to be running our library. So please pray for her. And if you're interested in that, those books are open and ready to be checked out. Those movies are there. And uh, amongst other resources you are welcome to be a part of and come and find out what happens there. Uh, those times are going to be 30 minutes before every service. So let me just be like this. Uh, Sunday school starts, uh, well, excuse me, the library will open about 9 a.m. And of course, uh, I guess about 5.30, is that right, Meredith? In the afternoon and Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. So come and be a part of that and find out what's happening there. I think that's all of our announcements as of this moment. So... Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. After we pray, would you please rise and welcome the amazing Father. We thank you now in Jesus' name. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. And I just want to thank you, Lord, for the rain that's coming. Help us to cool down our country, Lord, cool down uh, all those things around us, Lord. We just pray that this rain will put out some of the fires, Lord. And we also pray, Lord God, that you would send your Holy Spirit like rain down upon us today, Lord. May we worship you and keep your spirit in the name of your Father, magnified. And we just pray right now, Lord, you just touch us worship today. We're asking, Lord, that you would be with us today. Help us, Father God, to be in the heart and know that you've been with us and that we need you. And we can all say it's in the good and the of the Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please rise and welcome one another.
we make our way to our seats. I do have a short video I'd like for you to see for Operation Christmas Child. Right now I'm in the South Pacific from the island of Tarawa. These islands uh, since World War II have basically been forgotten. And the people were left with just the destruction and the devastation. And there's very little hope. Uh, these islands are full of children. And we're here. Operation Christmas Child has brought tens of thousands of shoebox gifts. And even though it's August, uh, it's Christmas for these children. Behind us, you can hear an Operation Christmas Child shoebox distribution going on right now. And you hear the kids will be singing. There's teaching going on about to go into the gospel presentation. But this is one of many uh, shoebox distributions we've been doing on the nation of Kiribati. Operation Christmas Child is very exciting to them, to the children of Greece. These shoeboxes really mean something to them. The children are so happy.
you're beautiful guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brother Glenn. Thank you, Robert, Mark, and Brother Francis. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you have your Bible with you, would you be so kind as to turn with me, please, to the book of Proverbs, where we're going to start out this morning. Proverbs, we're not going to stay there as usual. We're going to do some jumping around. We're going to do some learning this morning. So it's my prayer that God will speak to your heart, and it's my prayer that Father God will do a work in your life today. And I just want you to know that if you need to come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, today should be the day that you should do that. All right, Proverbs chapter 1. The title of this morning's message is Wisdom. Wisdom. And I have grown up hearing that phrase in my life. You need to be wise. You need to be uh, full of wisdom. Uh, in fact, you've even heard things like you have wisdom teeth when you get a little bit older. And, of course, nowadays we have wisdom teeth removed, don't we? And I'm, I'm wondering if there's a connection to the way we think nowadays. Because, you know, just putting it out there, not being mean, but some people are eating laundry. You know, laundry soap nowadays and Tide Pods and things. And I'm thinking, we need a good old-fashioned dose of wisdom, don't we? We just, we're missing it. And it's not there, and it seems like our world is just falling apart, doesn't it? But I want you to know that it's really not falling apart. It's falling into place. Amen? Because Jesus is preparing everything for Him to fall into place uh, for His return. And so you should not be discouraged. You should be encouraged that Jesus is getting ready to come back. And so it's my prayer that you would be ready for that. It's my prayer that your heart would be ready to receive that. And it's my prayer that Jesus would do a work in you today. And perhaps we can learn a little bit from the wisdom we see in Jesus this morning. So, uh, once again, we're going to start out in the book of Proverbs. It's my prayer, once again, this morning, that by examining the life of Jesus Christ, we might learn how to apply wisdom in our own lives. I have a wonderful picture there for you about how we look at wisdom. We think wisdom always comes from books. And you know, there is some truth to that, but wisdom doesn't always come from books. Some of it comes from experience, doesn't it? Some of it comes from learning from your elders. Amen? Go like this. Sometimes it comes from people who are younger than you. I know that's hard for us to believe, old guys. But we can learn from young people, too. And so I'll give you a personal example of that. Uh, do you remember uh, earlier this year we had that food shortage? And everybody went to Walmart, and uh, the shelves were empty. Well, I went there and with my son, my youngest son. He actually cried. He said, Dad, where are we going to get food? And I was like, don't worry, son. we got a dog. <laughs> he looked at me like, you've got to be kidding. Of course, I was kidding. But he did say, Dad, where are we going to get food at? And, you know, we got what little food we could because everything was just there. And as we were coming out into the parking lot, a gentleman, an elderly gentleman, actually confronted me. He didn't know who I was, and he said, uh, I have seen everything today. And I was like, you know what? I've seen it all as well. And this gentleman got angry at me because Betsy had reached into the cart and started putting groceries into the cart while I had my wallet in my hand. He said, I've seen everything, this young generation. You would rather let your wife put your groceries away if they're you helping her. I said, well, sir, there's a lot of things you can learn from us younger generations. He said, name one. I said, minding your own business. True story. Oh, he got mad at me. He got mad at me. I said, I never would have done that. My elders taught me better than to get involved with what somebody else is doing. Boy, he just got red-faced and went back to his car after his wife put herself back in 
I'll talk to Betsy about it. Betsy said, don't worry about it. I want to put your groceries away for the rest of my life. I said, thank you, Jesus. There's a lot you can learn from all kinds of people, you know. Proverbs chapter 1, let's take a look at verses 1 through 7. The Bible says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles, Father, we come to you now in Jesus' holy and righteous name. And Lord, I'm just praying that you would have your way with us tonight. I'm praying, Lord, you would give us wisdom. Your word tells us if we will ask for wisdom, you will pour it out on us, Lord. You will give it to us liberally. So I'm asking you right now, Jesus, to pour wisdom out on us to make us wise enough to know we need a Savior. To make us wise enough to know that we need you in our lives. That we need you in our country. We need you in our children. We need you in everything we do, Father. I pray right now that there be anyone that needs to come to know you. Let's say we do that tonight. Bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible tells us that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And many people come up to me and say, Pastor, what does that mean? And how do we apply that to our lives? Do I need to be trembling before God? And you know, this verse does imply that. However, I think that we're missing the point. What we need to look at is that we need to come to an understanding that we will be accountable for what we do and what we say. And when we get a hold of that knowledge, we out of sudden become a little wiser. Go like this. That means amen in the Baptist church. When you start viewing what you're doing as being accountable to God, when you start looking at your life saying there's something higher than I am that I've got to give an account to, you will find yourself acting a little more civil. Somebody say amen. When you start realizing that what you say has a price tag on it, it begins to be a little less likely to be said by you. To understand that some may not have that knowledge and to not allow that to change us. That's real wisdom. Say, wait a minute. Say that again, Pastor. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that wisdom is to understand that we will be accountable for what we do and what we say. And that fear of the Lord and that knowledge is also to understand that there are people in this world who will not come to that knowledge nor allow that. We won't allow that knowledge change us. Because we can understand that there are going to be lost people in this world. We can understand that no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we preach, no matter how hard we pray, there are some people who will not come to know Jesus. Why? Because they will not fear the Lord. Now there are some things we can learn this morning from Jesus' life about wisdom. A wise approach to doing things. And I love the way Jesus did things. Because Jesus had a style of his own. Amen? In fact, it's never been replicated. Why? Because nobody ever lived like Jesus. Amen? No one ever taught like Jesus. Nobody ever prayed like Jesus. Nobody has ever been like Jesus. He is 100% sinless. He was our perfect sacrifice. 
sacrifice. Whatever He said was perfect. Whatever He did was perfect. And if we take a look at His life, we can learn a lot of wise things to do. So let's take a look at some of those this morning. Let's look at Jesus and see how we can learn wisdom from His life. Now, we often go into what Jesus said, and we often take a look at uh, the cross, and those things are wonderful and not to be put aside. But sometimes we miss out when we don't look at what Jesus did, His actions. And let me tell you, His actions are amazing. You know one of the first things I've learned about Jesus? Jesus lets us know that Robertson Avenue Baptist Church is the perfect place for imperfect people. Amen? Let me tell you what, we make mistakes all the time, don't we? We even leave our cell phones on in service, don't we? <laughs> so turn them off right now! One thing we can learn from Jesus, church, is that He knew when to not answer a question. Did y'all know that? Sometimes people would ask Jesus a question, and instead of answering it, He would redirect that question. And you know, as pastor, I have learned to put Jesus as my example because I get some questions that are loaded, y'all. And they're designed to put me and my family in a position that compromises us. Jesus teaches us by looking at his life when not to answer a question. Incidentally, some questions are loaded with dynamite. Take a look at the example here. Look with me at John 19, verses 8 through 10. The Bible says, Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And he went again unto the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him, guess what? No answer. And Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Now, if you read the rest of the story, you're going to find out that Jesus is going to change that question from where do you come from to you don't have any power over me except that which was given to you from my Father. Jesus redirected that question. And so I want you to take a look at this next slide we have up here. It is a graphic of that loaded question. You ever had one of those loaded questions given to you before? Let me give you an example of a loaded question. Are you ready for this, guys? Does this dress make me look fat? Have you ever had one of those questions before? Ladies, you ever had one of those questions before like that from your husband? Does this suit look good on me? Most of you, most of you say, uh, yeah, honey, you look great in that. It's a loaded question, and it's designed to get a particular response. And Jesus wasn't going to be trapped in those responses. No, I want you to know that's how the devil works. Did you know that? He wants to play semantics with you. And he wants to get you in a position where yes or no. Or it's, if you didn't mean that, you must have meant that. And the devil begins directing how you think when it should be the other way around. Your yes should always be yes. Your no should always be no. Therefore, there's no question as to what you Loaded questions here. Here's some questions designed to blow you up, right? I want you to think about that right there. Number one, of course, honey, does this dress make me look too fat? Do I look as pretty as I did 25 years ago? You want to know how to answer that, guys? Are you ready for that? You need to tell her you look prettier than you did 25 years ago. You need to say you age like a bottle of wine. You get better every year. There are some questions designed to blow us up. Jesus didn't waste his time answering those kinds of questions, though. Instead, he directs Pilate in another direction. And we should do the same thing.
things when we get there. We're going to learn some wisdom from Jesus this morning that we need to make sure that we take the focus off of those kind of questions. You understand what that question was? That Pilate's asking Jesus, where are you from? Because I want you to know something. Are you ready for this? Pilate already knew what they were charging Jesus with. He already knew what they were saying to Jesus. And they were telling Pilate, this guy says he's the Son of God. This guy says he's from heaven. This guy says he is the Messiah. And Pilate's question is designed to get Jesus to say, well, maybe I am. Or yes, I am. Go ahead and, and chalk me up as guilty to the Jews' charges. Now, I want you to know Jesus redirected that question. And he says, the power given to you was given to you of my Father. I love how Jesus brings it back to a personal moment. He always puts it back on the other person. He reflects it back to him. Listen to what the Bible says here about not answering some of those questions. Look with me here in Proverbs 17, verse 28. The Bible says, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. How many of you know that's true? You can know nothing about a subject and when it comes up, you sit there and hold your peace and everybody thinks you're an expert when you leave. You ever had that before? You know, when I do that best is when Betsy and I go clothes shopping and we start walking around the store. Betsy does what I call the circles. And that means she walks around and around and around those racks looking as though something mysteriously got put in there as she made that circle. I don't say a word, though, because I don't want to be a fool, isn't it? <laughs> Even a fool's counted wise when he holds his peace. And you know what? Sometimes we chime in with our opinion and our answer, and we end up being foolish. You know what else we do sometimes when we give our opinion, when it's not needed? We end up hurting somebody else. We end up hurting families. We end up hurting children. We end up hurting moms and dads in relationships. And why? Because... We had to say something. Even a fool, the Bible says, is counted wise when he holds his peace. And we can learn from Jesus' example. When Pilate asked that question, Jesus knew when to answer, when not to answer. And that time, he knew when not to answer. And we need to learn when not to answer those questions. So I guess we need to get out there with, how do we know when not to answer them? Are you ready for this? We don't need to answer questions that aren't relative about God. We don't need to get caught up in little arguments that have nothing to do with salvation. Are you ready for this? We don't need to get caught up in those kind of arguments that do nothing but bring endless debate. There are churches right now that are debating whether or not you can eat bacon. That's right. There are churches right now that are debating whether or not you should be a vegetarian. I'm thinking, try that at Robertson Avenue. See what happens. Somebody will meet you at the door and say, this bacon is good, brother. What's, what's better than bacon? More bacon. Amen. My goodness, there are churches debating endlessly over genealogies, debating endlessly over how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. And you know what? Those things are irrelevant. They mean nothing. All that matters is that God sent His only begotten Son for you. Don't get caught up in those questions. Know when to answer them and when not to. And this world right now is caught up in political questions, isn't it? It's caught up in which one did you vote for? You know what you're not 
that best has the biblical truth. The one that said, I trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The one that said, I will do my best to live my morals. That's who I vote for. And it doesn't matter to me what party they are. What matters to me is whether or not this is what guides them. Nothing else matters. We get caught up in those all the time. Our country's caught up in them. Caught up in questions that mean nothing. Caught up in semantics and games that mean nothing. And the Bible tells us, by looking at Jesus' life, some questions don't serve the answer. If you could look at Jesus in His eyes as His... Could you imagine that being His judge? Could you imagine being Pilate? And being the judge of Jesus Christ, looking into his holy eyes and having the audacity to say, Where are you from, boy? Not being able to tell is what gets me. How could he look into that holy face and not know he is in the presence of Jehovah? How could he not know that? Jesus didn't even entertain this question. To quote a famous movie, stupid is a stupid does. Amen. The Bible tells us even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. We need to put some of those questions aside, those things that are irrelevant. Let's take a look at another one we can learn from Jesus this morning. If we want to be wise, we want to have wisdom in our lives, wisdom in our hearts, we need to start doing what Jesus did. We often talk about what Jesus said, and that's good. But we don't emulate what Jesus did. And it's time for us to start doing that. We need to put aside those silly questions, and we need to take a look at number two right here. Know when to speak your mind. If you know now that there are some questions we shouldn't answer, we need to know when to speak our mind. That's the hardest one for a Baptist. Go like this. That's the hardest one for us. Take a look here in John 11, verses 14 to 15. The Bible says, And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go there. I love what the Bible says here, and incidentally, there is no mistakes in God's Word. There is no, it's there just because it's there. Everything has a meaning, everything has a reason, everything has a purpose. And I think the purpose we have in verse 14, Jesus said to them plainly, is that they were not understanding what Jesus was saying. Jesus had to actually sit down and speak his mind plainly. No parables, no stories, no nothing else but listen up, guys. Lazarus is dead. Sometimes we have to come to that point in our Christianity where we have to tell somebody plainly, Jesus is Lord. We have to tell somebody plainly, there is no other way. You've been messing around with those weird churches. You've been messing around with those weird cults. You've been messing around with those weird religions. There is no other way but Jesus. And it's time for the church to get back to speaking plainly. Jesus knew when to speak plainly. You know when he started speaking plainly? When people started confusing death and sleep. How is that possible? Some of the training I received as a chaplain at TDCJ and through the military was to never, ever walk up to somebody after you receive orders to let them know their loved one has passed away and say, they've gone on. They'd be like, where they go to? No, you come right out and say it, and the shock is over. Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He knew when he had to come out and tell them, this is the way it is, this is way it's going to be. No charades. No anything else. Lazarus is dead. We need to learn to know when to speak 
your mind as well. How many times have you sat somewhere and the Bible's been misinterpreted or the Bible has been misquoted or the Bible has been mistreated, been misused, it's been abused? How many times have we watched this generation cherry-pick things out of the Bible to try to build a case that should not exist, to try to build a reason that should not even be there. And we've been quiet about it. We need to step up and be like Jesus and plainly tell them, Lazarus is dead. We need to step up sometimes and say, there's no other way. We need to step up sometimes and say, there is one God in heaven. There's not many gods. There's one way to get there. Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. You know what else He says there in verse 15? He says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go to Him. I have been one of those guys that loves to look at that verse. Why would He say that? I'm glad I wasn't there. I can tell you right now, Mary and Martha were sitting there saying, Jesus, where are you? That's what their prayer is. Jesus, where are you? And you might be sitting there in that pew this morning. Pastor, I've been praying for you. Where is he? Where is he? You sit there saying, I'm glad I wasn't there. Let me tell you something this morning. Jesus is going to do something greater than they ever dreamed. Jesus is about to do something they never thought of. Now that you have faith, God is capable of doing something greater in your life than you plan out for yourself. Most of us plan out what we think God should do. We plan it just like Mary and Martha. Jesus, we should be here. And we plan it out for God. And Jesus has to sometimes tell us plainly, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because I'm going to show you something more. I'm going to show you something greater. I'm going to show you something bigger than you ever dreamed of. I'm going to speak to this dead person and he's going to come back alive. And I want you to know this morning, you might be dead in your faith. You might be dead in your Christianity. You might be dead in your sins. But if you will hear the word of the Lord this morning, if you will hear Him speaking, you too can be alive this morning. That's how to speak our minds. Sometimes people just don't understand, do they? Sometimes they just don't understand. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 7 tells us there's a time to tear and a time to sell, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak. We've already taken a look at Jesus when it was a time to keep silent. There's a time not to answer those questions. There's also a time to come out and plainly say it. Right now, in the United States of America, it is time for the church to stand up and say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's time for us to stand up and say, we should have never tolerated abortion, drug use, homosexuality or anything else to infiltrate God's people, God's house, God's church. We should have stood up plainly and said, no. You know, that's the easiest word in the English language to say is no. Did you know that? Just two little, two little letters. No. Sounds like some of us need to practice a little bit, though. You want to practice with me this morning? Can you say it with me? Ready on the count of three? One, two, three. No. Very good. I bet you could do that good when your teenage son says, can I have this? You say, no! But you know what? When the devil comes knocking at the door and says, I want entrance into your household. I want to come into your television. I want to come into what your children are doing. I want to come into what they're reading. We say, okay. There's a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Have you thought about that? 
read the book of Ecclesiastes. I've been doing it in our uh, our morning devotions in the office. So Monica and I have some understanding of the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, Ecclesiastes is that's a Latin word. It means of the church, Ecclesiastes. But that's not the Hebrew word for it. I love the Hebrew word for it. It's Kohelet. Kohelet. I know you just want to say that right now, don't you? Kohelet. <laughs> Amen. It means the preacher. Kohelet, the preacher. And the preacher stands up and says, there's a time to tear. There's a time you need to tear out some misunderstandings. There's some times you need to rip out that which is wrong in your life. There's some times you need to tear. There's also some times you need to show it off. There's also some times to keep silence and some times to speak. And you need to learn spiritually when to speak. How do you do that? Let the Holy Spirit be your father. Number three here. No one to leave. No one to leave. Jesus did. You know what? I learned this one from Jesus. When you're not welcome, get up and go. Get up and go. Number three here. No one to leave. Matthew 13, 57, 58. The Bible says they were offended at him. How did they get offended at the Son of God? You know why they got offended at him? Because Jesus probably told them something plainly. Somebody go like this. Either that or asked him a question. He said, I ain't answering that. I ain't answering that. That's a loaded question, pal. They were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. What does that mean? That means that prophets are accepted wherever he goes, except by his own family. You know why they don't accept us? They know that when he grew up, they were like, I've seen you pick your nose, pal. I saw you draw on the wall little crayons. And I have a hard time accepting you as a prophet. A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country. And in his own house. The Bible tells us in verse 58, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Let's stop right there for a second. We don't want you to be here. We don't want you to be around here. The Bible tells us he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Does that mean that God was limited by their belief? No, I don't believe that. Some people will say that out there. God can only work when you have faith. Wrong. God doesn't need me to do anything. God could do anything He wants, anytime He wants, anywhere He wants. But God is very, very polite. And if you don't want Him around, guess what's going to happen? He's going to leave. He's going to leave. Let me tell you something. Church, you want to know why we have so many school shootings nowadays? You want to know why we have children hurting? Because we took God out of school zone. We took God out of the school district. We took God out of our penal system. And we're wondering why it's falling apart. We're wondering why we're hurting when we told God to leave. Listen to what verse 58 says. He did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Take a look at Mark chapter 5. Let's look at another example of that. Look at verse 16 and 17. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him. They had been demon possessed. I love this one right here. This is the Gadarene demoniac. Right? And we have a picture here of a whole community running back into town, telling everybody what Jesus did. They saw a mighty work. They saw a powerful work. How this demonized, demon-possessed person was healed. They also saw the pigs and swine running to the water. Verse 17, they began to plead with him to walk, to leave. Depart from their region. God, get out of here. We like the way we 
Luke 4, 29 to 30. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city. This is Jesus. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. And passing through the midst of him, he went his way. Now, just a theological thing for you to look in there. Number one is Jesus also knew when it was time to let the crowd go. Wasn't his time yet, so when they got ready to kill him, Jesus moved on through there. He knew when to leave him, so he went on to get up and go. You ever been out witnessing somewhere and it's not working out the way it should? No one's time to gracefully exit. No one's time to say, I'm praying and I'll leave you alone now. I wish some folks who came to your door would have learned that. Go like this. Passing through their midst, the Bible says, he went.
wisdom is from above. It's first pure. It comes down purely. And it's there. And it reminds us of Jesus. It's all we ever need. It's peaceable. It doesn't bring fear. It doesn't bring scary things. It brings peace. It's gentle. And the Bible tells us it's willing to yield. In other words, when you reach into it and you start looking into it, it yields what's inside of it. It teaches. It lets you know the character, the mindset, the plans, the purposes of God. The Bible says it's full of mercy and good fruits. Mercy. When's the last time we've heard that word? When's the last time we've actually heard someone cry out for mercy? The Bible says good fruits. Good fruits. Not rotten fruits. Not bad fruits. Not hard to pick fruits. Good fruits. Without partiality. That means that there is no difference. And he's trying to get it. There's no difference in color, in gender. Wisdom, you ask God for, and God will pour it out, and it comes from above. It's peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to give up. It's full of mercy, it's full of good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Amen. What is the fruit of the Spirit? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, what this wisdom is. Look with me in verse 24, the Bible says, for those who are called both Jews and Gentiles. Please understand in the Bible that's the entire world. Jews and Gentiles. There's nothing, there's nothing else. Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let me talk about that for just a second. I know... I'm beginning to run out of time. I see you steering in your chair this morning, and I'm wise enough to know my time is about up. Wisdom from God. Christ is that wisdom. And you might be saying, I've been praying for God to teach me and to show me. I've been praying for God to give me that wisdom. What you're really doing is saying, God, I want to know Christ. The Apostle Paul penned it like this. He said, I want to know you. I want that wisdom in my life. I want to look to you and to nothing else. I want to hear from you and nobody else. I want to see you and nothing else. I want you to live inside of me because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Wisdom is a treasure, the Bible tells us. Proverbs 8, verse 11, the Bible says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all things one may desire cannot be compared with her. So we're supposed to be crying out to God for this wisdom. We're supposed to be diligently seeking after it. It's actually more expensive than rubies. Better than rubies. More desirable. The Bible pictures wisdom in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 23, crying out. Look with me here. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones? You want me to put that in modern day English for you? 
how long, you dodo heads, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn in my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I know you've heard that before. I will make my word known to you. Pride is the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 tells us, But of him ye are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. As it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Are you seeing where I'm going here? Do you want wisdom? Do you need wisdom? Really, what you need is Jesus. Do you cry out this morning saying, Pastor, I've been abused by this world and they take advantage of me. Get to Jesus Christ. And the world will no longer take advantage of you. Get to Jesus Christ and you will find yourself in wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Do you remember of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I want you to be one of those today. I want you to put Christ in your heart this morning. I want you to be willing to say, I'm coming for the wisdom of God. And in that wisdom, I want to become Christ. I want to be His. I want to put Him in my heart and in my life. Now perhaps you're sitting there in that pew and you say, Pastor, I am a Christian found myself stepping out of God's will. I found myself stepping out of God's ways. How do I get back? Remember what the Bible told us in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom stands outside and calls. Come back! Turn around! Right now you can hear that voice. Come back. Perhaps you're one sitting there saying, Pastor, I'm looking for a church home. I'm looking for somewhere to be. I want you to know there is no greater church than Robert Stanley Baptist I want you to know that this church will pray for you. I want you to know this church will walk with you. And this church will agree with you if you will come to Jesus Christ. You might be saying, Pastor, I am a Christian. And I'm right with God. And I'm a part of this church. But God's calling me to something else. Would you be willing to come this morning and share that with me? Whatever it is this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to have a word of prayer that you will hear the voice of wisdom as you come this morning. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for your word. And I pray you take charge of this time. And if there be anybody who needs to come to know your Son and the Lord and Savior, or anybody, Father God, who needs to get their heart right with you, or anybody, Lord, that has heard you calling them to let say you have heard. Surrender to your voice. I'm also praying, Father God, if there be any that need to get their walk right with you, Lord, say you would do it. And there be any, Lord, who need to be a part of Robert Stanley Baptist. Would you let say you would do it? And we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As you come as we sing, just as you are. Come on.
second day, uh, we're going to gather together at 6 o'clock for a business meeting. There's just some activity going on in the back, so come and be a part of that. Don't forget Wednesday night, 6.30, Bible study. You don't want to miss that. We're going to take a look at Islam. So it's going to be a lot of fun and an interesting study, and then we'll move on from there into some other uh, ideas and categories. All right. Uh, choir practice day at 4.30. Thank you, Robert. So, yes, ma'am. Okay, great. Thank you, Esther. So, potluck is coming up on the 29th, so Esther's already put out the sign-up sheet. So, uh, potluck will follow our concert from Lynette Johnson, so be in prayer about that and be a part of what's going on back there. So, with that being said, I'll also remind you of the Active City class coming up next week. And I think that's all of our upcoming... Oh, library is also open as well. And Said, I think it's time we close in a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask Brother Mario to close in prayer for the next segment. 